Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Lena Kerrick. Today, I am super excited to be talking to a really interesting gentleman called Doug Knoll, Douglas Knoll, who is the author of a book called De-Escalate, which I am currently reading. And it's a good read. And he is talking to us about how to calm people down when they are angry. Now, you may be saying to me, Dr. Alina, what has this got to do with health and wellness? Well, recently I was chatting to somebody who was saying, I've been on holiday, it was super, super stressful, Um, you know, I had problems with my kids, stress, stress, stress with my kids. Hey, guess what? It led to eating junk food. And I didn't want to eat the junk food and I didn't want to be doing this, but I could see this happening. And I think if we look at overeating, we find emotional eating. And when we look at emotional eating, obviously there's different types of emotional eating, but one of the big ones is stress. And one big cause of stress is our relationships. And obviously there's lots of different reasons why we get stressed with our relationships. But one of them is big emotions and anger and not being able to deal with that in an appropriate way. And I, for one, know that I have four children and my four children have big, big emotions. And it feels to me like they always have big emotions. And after a while, that becomes stressful. So I'm super interested to talk to Doug Knoll and talk to hear his amazing stories and his advice on how to help people calm down. Now, talking about emotional eating, if emotional eating is something that you struggle with, right now I have an amazing product. It is just absolutely fabulous. It is called End Emotional Eating, and it is all the tools that you need to end emotional eating, and it is just $27. And I will tell you, it's $27, and if you want to get a copy of my Magic Likes and Dislikes exercise, which I'm sure that you have heard me going on about, and if you haven't, oh my goodness, it is like magic. I've had so many success stories with my magic likes and dislikes exercise you can purchase that as an upsell for another ten dollars and then if you want to get the whole package which is really about you know taking you from a to b to c then you could also get hold of my reboot my um dr alina's reboot i tell you what right now at this very moment as i'm recording it's not linked up and you can't do that but i will send out an email to anybody who has purchased the first bit and let them know when that is ready. So go and check out 
end emotional eating product so that you can end emotional eating and stop food from having a hold over you. Okay, let's get on with today's show. This computer. Hello, hello, Doug. Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. Super honored and excited to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me, Dr. Alina. This is going to be a very interesting conversation for your audience, I think. I think so too. So before we start and get into a bit of nitty gritty, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell people what you do? Sure. I am a lawyer turned peacemaker. I spent the first 22 years of my professional career as a trial lawyer in California and then went back to school mid-career and earned my master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies, left the practice of law to become a peacemaker and help people resolve deep and intractable conflicts. And along the way, I developed a, a set of skills based on neuroscience that allows us to calm any angry person in less than 90 seconds. And then from there, I, with my colleague Laura Coffer, founded the Prison of Peace Project. And in the Prison of Peace Project, since 2010, we have been training lifers and long-termers in maximum security prisons around the world how to be powerful peacemakers and mediators to stop prison violence using the skills, among many other skills, using the skills of de-escalation that <coughs> I developed back in 2005. I've written a number of books. I'm an adjunct prof graduate professor at Pepperdine Law School, Starost Institute for Dispute Resolution, and I'm a consultant, trainer, coach, and teacher. That's, that's amazing. That's it's an amazing story. And so, you know, to explain the reason why I asked you to come on the podcast is because, you know, stress is a really big part of our wellness. And stress comes in many forms, but not least of all, you know, relationships. And actually, I was thinking when you said, hey, I can teach anybody to deescalate anger in 90 seconds. I'm like, do you want to come to my house? I have got four children between the ages <laughs> of nine and 13. And, you know, I'm not sure I believe you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So and you, I'm going to... After this hour, you will take this and you will use it on your children and you will see how well it works. Perfect. So let's dive in and tell me all about it. So let's see, where do I start? Let's start at, let's start at 50,000 feet and then we'll get down into the dirt. The first thing to recognize is that we have been lied to as human beings. Our Western society has lied to us for 4,000 years. We've been told by philosophers and theologians that what separ sep separates us from other species of animals is rationality, that humans are rational. That is a big lie. Yes. Yes. It turns, I agree. Out, <laughs> it turns out that neuroscience has proven beyond any dispute that we are emotional beings. And in fact, we are the only species on the planet that have emotions. And other animals do not have emotions. Only humans have emotions. And that we are 98% emotional and only very rarely, about 2% of the time, are we actually rational. And this lies in the face of everything that we think we know about human nature, because we've been taught from a very young age that we're, what makes us good is rationality. And in fact, what makes us good is being emotionally competent. But because of this bias in Western culture, emotions have been denigrated. They're evil. They're weak. They, they don't make you strong. You know, you're devoid emotions at all costs. And that has created a huge amount of abuse. 98% of all families are emotionally dysfunctional and produce emotionally dysfunctional adults. Because 
the way the children are raised, and I would be curious about how you raised your children when they were younger, is that we emotionally invalidate them. So they're two years old. We got a two-year-old little boy, and he's out running around, and he falls down, and he scrapes his knees, and he starts to cry. And what is he told? Don't cry. Be a big boy. Don't be a sissy. Don't be a girly girl. The girls are told the same thing. And these children are fed this emotional invalidation throughout their childhood and into adolescence. And they are taught not to be emotional, not to explore their emotions, not to master their emotions, that to be emotional is to be weak. Emotional is to be something less than grown up. And in many families, negative emotions in children are absolutely forbidden. So it is not okay to be angry. It is not okay to be frustrated. It is not okay to feel unheard or disrespected. None of those are good. The only thing you can feel is happiness. So as a result, by the time the children reach adolescence, and you've got one there, 13, I think you said, mm -hmm. by the time they get to adolescence, they have learned that emotions are bad. And so they build this huge wall around them of defensiveness, a defensive wall, so that their inner emotional self is protected from the slings and arrows of, of the life they have led so far. And as a result of that, they are stuck in emotional development at about six years old. And if we could go deep into this, but this is the work of Gordon Neufeld out of, of British Columbia, who's a brilliant developmental psychologist. <laughs> and as a result of all of this, by the time we reach adults, we may be physically mature, but we're emotionally immature. So we get into a relationship of any kind and now relationships are, by definition, emotional and not rational, <laughs> nothing rational about a relationship. And yet we have no tools for navigating all of the emotions that arise within an intimate relationship. And that leads to stress, fights, arguments, unhappiness, and a myriad of other problems at the most extreme ends, domestic violence. And because... Young parents don't have any other skills. They perpetrate the same things on their children that, that were perpetrated on them as children, as when they were children. And so this is a, passes on from generation to generation to generation. And it's been going on for thousands of years. And it's the cause of more abuse, uh, more unhappiness than any single other factor, in my opinion, in, in our human history. Are you familiar? You're, I know you're a pediatrician. Have you, have you ever come across the ACEs study out of San Diego, California? No, I haven't. But what I was going to say is it's really interesting as well what you're saying. And I agree 100%. And we talk a lot about emotions on my podcast and with my, my clients. One of the work that I do is on emotional eating, which is exactly the same. It's like another go. symptom of, right. hey, I've got emotions. And what I'm going to do is distract myself from this emotion and I'm going to turn to food. And, you know, it's a big, part of what I do. That's right. So one of the problems is that what you have seen in your work is that when people don't feel emotionally safe, they have this emptiness and they try to fill that emptiness by eating or other addictive behaviors. They get a dopamine release that makes them feel good for a very short period of time. If they were felt emotionally safe, they wouldn't have that need and the likelihood of becoming addicted goes way down. The ACEs study means Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. You can Google it. And it's a long-term longitudinal study doing, done by Kaiser Permanente Foundation out of San Diego, California. And what it's basically done is tracked early adverse childhood experiences 
of which there are, they list nine of which two are obvious, physical and sexual abuse, and the rest of them are all emotional. And what the researchers have determined is that if you get three strikes, three aces, the likelihood of you dying from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or diabetes or cancer or any other comorbid, comorbid disease later in life goes up by 10,000%. The likelihood of you having a divorce, engaging in antisocial behavior, getting into addiction of any kind, it doesn't have to be just drugs, it could be exercise, for example, goes up again, orders of magnitude against children who have not had any adverse experiences. And the kinds of adverse childhood experiences we're talking about is exactly what I'm describing, emotional invalidation. So here we have all these loving parents who love their children to death, and yet they emotionally invalidate them and emotionally abuse them. That causes horrible long-term medical outcomes later in life. (laughs) And we see this everywhere. Here in the United States, obesity is, is epidemic. And obesity is just a response to a lack of emotional safety and emotional abuse. And it's everywhere. Over 70% of the population in the United States is overweight. Yeah. Emotional eating. Emotional eating. We see it everywhere. So that's the big picture. And that's why this is this, what I talk about is so important. Now I come at this not as a researcher or a neuroscientist. I come at this as a lawyer turned peacemaker. I'm interested in peace and helping people find peace in their lives. But all of my work is grounded in science. I don't teach anything unless it's I've got a scientific understanding of why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. So the secret, the antidote, is really simple. And that is that instead of invalidating emotions, we listen to emotions. Now, this is very counterintuitive and very counter-normative to what people are used to. But when we listen to emotions and reflect them back, as we can talk about, Everything changes. The person, the speaker feels emotionally safe. The speaker feels deeply emotionally validated. And if that speaker is emotionally upset, we literally calm that person down in less than 90 seconds. And there are amazing brain scanning studies that show what happens when we label and reflect back somebody else's emotions in this way. It's extremely powerful. And it's so easy. Once you learn how to do it, it's so easy. Oh, give us a demonstration. So, yeah. So tell me something that's happened to you in the last couple of days. So I will tell you about my children right now. They're They're always a good source of stories. (laughs) They're in the swimming pool and one of them has got a towel. Now, the others didn't bring a towel to the swimming pool and it's getting a little bit chilly. It's seven, it's quarter past eight in the evening. So, you know, there's no sun here now. So that my daughter gets out and she nicks the towel. So my son is really, really cross and he's screaming, 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 screaming. And that's when I walk in. Okay. So you would go to your son. So in that situation, you're feeling frustrated and a little angry and a little concerned that you had your boy screaming and yelling at his sister, really maybe not knowing exactly what was going on, but knowing that there was chaos, which you have seen multiple times, and the chaos gets you stressed out, (coughs) and your immediate impulse is to stop the screaming and then sort it all out and figure out what's going on. So maybe, maybe you shout at him to tell him to stop screaming, and he doesn't, and he keeps going on and on and on, and then the, the, the problem escalates 
till finally you put your parental foot down and said, get out of here, go to your room, something like that. Would that be a fair, fair summary of? Yeah, it's a, like, I think I'm quite good with emotions, but yes, I'm going to go with that. You know, that's a sort of okay, like, so, let's so, go and get so, a cat. Right. So, <laughs> so let's, let's take your boy's perspective. What's going on with him? He feels disrespected. So I would approach him. What's his name? Dante. Duncan. Duncan. Buddy, Duncan. No, not Duncan. Dante. Oh, Dan. Dan? Dante. Oh, Dante. 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 Dante's Inferno. Got it. Dante. You feel really disrespected. You thought ahead of time and you brought a towel out here and you were really prepared for the whole great time. You had a great day in the pool today. And when it's time to get out, your sister took your towel without asking you. And you, it just really, really made you angry and frustrated and disrespected. And you feel completely unappreciated. And if your sister had asked for the towel, you probably would have let her loaned it to her to dry herself off. But instead... Not sure about that. <laughs> we don't know. We have to test it. But he would might say yes. He might say no. He said, but in any event, she took it without your permission. And it really made you angry. And so you just let her have it. And you keep... Notice how I'm all I'm doing is reflecting back his emotional experience. And he's got five or six or seven different emotions going on at the yeah. same time. So he's so emotional, that- and I think that's fabulous. But the problem is he's still screaming. So he'll stop. He'll stop. Just wait until he has he stops. to. He'll ha- he has to. So let him scream and then talk to you. No, him. nope. You jump right in. Don't let him scream. Jump right in. Okay. His brain, however, will start processing what you're saying. Okay. And he will unconsciously calm down. Okay. What you're doing, here's what's going on in his brain. <clears throat> He's gotten emotionally escalated. The emotional centers of his brain are demanding action. You know, the amygdala and all the associated limbic systems of the brain are completely activated now, and they have completely overwhelmed the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex, which is his executive function. And, of course, children don't have well-developed <laughs> executive function to begin with, so it's not hard for the emotional centers to overwhelm <coughs> children's executive function. Now he has completely lost his ability to manage and regulate his own emotions and his own behaviors. He is in total reactivity mode right now. Automatic. He can't control it. No matter what you try to do to him, he can't control it. However, what the science shows is that when you label his emotional experience at, you know, age-appropriate language, the emotional centers of his brain will immediately start to become inhibited and his ventral lateral prefrontal cortex will activate and come back online. And within 30 to 90 seconds, he'll be calm as a cucumber. What you're doing is lending your adult prefrontal cortex to him for the time it takes his ventral lateral prefrontal cortex to activate and inhibit the emotional centers of the brain. That's the science behind this. And it works every single time without fail with every single human brain, because all human brains around the world are all hardwired the same way. That's why this is so, so powerful. Do people go through a stage where, because I've tried this kind of thing before, my kids and other people, <clears throat> and quite often what they end up doing is going, yes, I'm really, and then, I mean, perhaps I need to just keep going. But that arguing back. And you you said, you. yes, I'm really angry. That's great. That's a good response. You just keep going. Yeah, you're really angry. Okay. Match the tone of voice. Yeah, you're really angry. So, so and you don't you feel like anybody the listens. Tone of voice, or you remain calm. Oh no, I I match the tone of voice, or I come right underneath it. Okay. 
And then, but you've got to keep going. You keep going until he calms down. And so you've got to come in back with another emotion. Well, there's just not only anger. Anger is only the superficial emotion at the top. So the, he would feel disrespected, unappreciated. <laughs> he felt like he's been cheated by his, his sister. It, he feels embarrassed that he wasn't able to protect his towel and he got, and she, she got away with something. He's feeling sad because he's lost connection and he's feeling abandoned and unloved. And so how do you know what emotions they're feeling? Do you just guess? They happen every single time. Okay. There are six layers of emotions, and every human being experiences these emotions every, when, on the negative side, when typically these emo- almost always these six different layers will pop up, and um, emotions come in complexes. And it's, <coughs> it's not hard to see once you understand it and once you practiced it, it becomes very obvious that we have a very ex- an extremely limited repertoire of emotional behavior and emotional experience. And once you learn this stuff, you see, hey, there are only nine, there are only 12 or 15 emotional words that I really need to know to get people calmed down. And it's, it's very simple and it, it's almost effortless once you learn it. Learning it's a little weird because I'm asking you to violate, appear to violate rules that are ingrained into us from childhood. But once you get the courage to do this and watch it work, it becomes self-reinforcing because it's like magic all of a sudden calm instant calm it's crazy how it works that sounds amazing and i am going to give it a go now presumably i need to buy one of your books to find out what the six levels are (laughs) i can no the six levels are really simple so the top level is anger Mm -hmm. most common emotions in that level there are a whole bunch of emotions in that in that level but anger and frustration are the most common then the next level are what I call dignitary emotions. Yeah, not always emotions, what we would technically call emotions, but they're close enough and they're so common that I, I put them there. So that would be, be feeling treated unfairly, being cheated, not being listened to, not being heard, being unsupported, unappreciated. And for children, this is a big one, that that whole level is huge for most children because most of the time they are disrespected by adults and they feel it. And it causes pain. Then the next level below that are the fear emotions. So it could be fear, being scared, being frightened, or being worried, concerned, or anxious. The next level below that, shame, humiliation, guilt, and embarrassment. You got to be careful with this one because you, because when people are feeling shame, guilt, embarrassment, uh, or humiliation, they're pretty vulnerable. And so you got to be careful that you don't call it out in front of a lot of other people. But your son probably felt humiliated and embarrassed by the fact that his sister took the towel without him knowing about it, and he couldn't protect his right. And I he think felt control shame. is another big issue. Control is another one. Mm. Then underneath that, <clears throat> underneath shame and humiliation, the shame emotions are the sadness emotions, sadness and grief primarily. And then under that, is where everything starts. The, the feeling of being abandoned, of not being loved, of being betrayed, it is not feeling lovable. <clears throat> now here's the thing. We all experience these six layers of emotions. It doesn't mean that the emotions are a, a true representation of reality. It's not true that your nine-year-old Dante is unloved. He's deeply loved. But in that moment, 
he feels unloved and unlovable, and he feels completely abandoned. It's a transitory experience that he's having, but it's a powerful one, and it has to be validated. That's, he's having an emotional experience that has to be validated, and so you would validate it, and then it'll pass, and, and things will be quiet again. Now, the way you use these emotions, this is another thing that's tricky. <clears throat> Back in the 1957, 57-58, uh, the great humanist psychologist Carl Rogers and some colleagues coined the term active listening. And I won't go into the long history of where that came from, but I will say that within five years, the term, the, the concept was completely perverted and mis, misapplied and misused, and, and, t- and it's still being taught today. Even I have colleagues teaching this. I can't believe it. Where they will teach you to, to reflect back somebody by, with an I statement. You know, saying, well, what I think you're really feeling is anger. And all that does is just piss people off even more. Yeah. Okay? And yet, it's still taught to my niece just got her doctorate in psychology. That's what she was taught. I can't believe it. My colleagues in the graduate school where I teach teach this to mediation students, I shake my head. I can't believe it. Even though I've written numerous articles and books on this and teach that don't do that. <laughs> they still do it. And they come to me and wonder, why, why are my students complaining about what I'm teaching and they think what you're doing is right? <clears throat> and I said, because what I'm doing is right. You don't have any science to support what you're doing. I have a ton of science to support why I do what I do. So the secret here is not to use an I statement. The secret is to use an, a you statement and directly declare Dante's emotional experience. So you say, Dante, you're really pissed. You're really angry. You're upset. You feel betrayed. Nobody's listening to you. You feel like you've been cheated. And it's really unfair. And you're not appreciated, not supported. And you feel a little anxious because you don't know what to do. And you're feeling a little humiliated because your sister got away with this. And it's not right. And you're sad. And you feel completely abandoned and all alone. Nobody loves you. Yeah. Tears will start. That's what you want. It takes about that long. But notice how I always used a use statement. And all I did was reflect back his emotional experience. So tell us some of the stories that you have to tell of when this has worked. (laughs) I've got so many. (laughs) I'm thinking of those prisoners. (laughs) Yeah, let me tell you a really cool story. Some years ago, I was working in at Corcoran State Prison in California, which is one of the two supermax prisons. We were working, I was working with men who were coming out of gangs. And the first time I met them, they were in shackles and cages. Very violent. People who had done very extremely violent things. About four weeks or five weeks into our first workshop, as we were training them to be peacemakers, I said, any stories? Anybody want to share anything that happened in the last week? This is how I always start out our sessions, doing a debrief and a check-in. And one of, one of the men said, yeah, I need to tell you a story. And he said, for the last seven years, since my little girl was born, when we would get on a phone call, all I do is talk about myself. And she didn't listen. She didn't say anything. She didn't respond or anything. And when she came on visit, she stay, She would never touch me. She'd never come to hug me. She just stayed behind her mother. And so a week ago, two weeks ago, after the, that class, I decided to do something different. So when she started talking, all I did was affect label her. I listened to her emotions over the phone, and I told her what I thought she was feeling using a use statement. And... In the next call that I had with my wife, her mother, 
Her mother said, well, when you were done with that call, she came to me and said, Mommy, I want my own call with Daddy all by myself with nobody else. And when they came to visit, she ran across the visiting room and jumped up in his arms and gave him a big hug. And he said, every week when I talk to her, all I do is listen to her. And I've learned more about her as a human being and how complex she is and how deep she is and how smart she is. And I really do believe that my 15-minute conversation with her each week as I just listen to her into existence does her more good with me behind walls than I could ever do being in her presence just because I'm able to listen to her into existence. And he started crying. And I mean, Aww. this is he's all tatted up and, you know, he's murder and <laughs> that, that's a pretty common story. But that that one that one resonates. So here's a question for you. Have you ever taught it to children so that they can use it themselves? Here's what's really interesting. I, I have not taught it directly to children, but let me tell you another story, which will answer the question. One of the first women, when Laurel and I started this project in 2010, we started in the largest, most violent women's prison in the world, Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchilla, California. And in that group, we had started with 15 women. Extremely challenging, especially for me, because a big white lawyer male was evil incarnate to those women. Everything bad that had ever happened to them happened to them by somebody that looked like me. So that was a huge challenge by itself. But the long story short is is one of our students, Anna, at that time was in her early 30s. She was released eight years later. And about a month ago, she, she, she was released to Southern California and, and has stayed in very close contact with Laurel. In fact, Laurel is a mother figure to her. And a month ago, she said, Laurel, I'm, the kids are driving me crazy. Can Paul, my husband, bring the kids over to your house and you just play with them for an a Sunday afternoon so I can get stuff done and just recharge? And Laurel said, oh, I love your kids. Bring them over. Because Laurel like a grandmother to these kids. And so they came over. And Laurel, they were playing in the sprinklers and having a good old time. And Laurel heard them affect labeling each other. This, these are five and six-year-olds. And it was because... Anna had taught them and was affect labeling them. And now they were learning how to affect label each other. And Laurel could hardly wait that evening to call me and say, you will not believe what happened. <laughs> and I just smiled and I said, you know, that's why we do the work. So the answer is yes. You don't have to teach kids how to do this. All you have to do is model it for them. Yeah. And every other parent that I've ever taught these skills to reports back. They say within... A month or two, mommy, you're angry. Mommy, you're sad. Mommy, you're really stressed. And here's this little five, six, seven-year-old picking up on mom's emotions and reflecting it back. They'll just do it automatically. And it's, it's perfect. Amazing. It's amazing. Really. And if, if, if that's not good enough, let me just tell you what the follow-up studies have shown. The follow-up studies have shown <clears throat> that parents that affect label their children, this is what the technically what this process is called, by, by the time they're 10 or 11 years old, they're usually two to three grade levels ahead of their peers academically. They're more mature. They are more socially adjusted. They are more liked. And they have a maturity that's way, way beyond their years. So what's happening is instead of invalidating a child's emotions, when you validate the child's emotion, you help their brains mature in an appropriate way, which, of course, is going to lead to powerful academic and social outcomes later, later in school. Yes, there's a lot of studies that show that emotional intelligence is actually 
a better predictor than uh, that's IQ. right. Yeah, that's right. But you but you have to you teach this by teaching them by by listening to their emotions and modeling to them that emotions are okay. I'm just going to help you process. Uh, you don't say this, but you're going to help you process your emotional tantrum right now, and then over a period of time the children start to internalize it <coughs> and start to develop their own emotional competency, which then is reflected in their academic and behavioral activities later in life. Fabulous. You are doing amazing work in the world. And I really, truly believe that when we can, as a human race can, you know, have this emotional intelligence, we will all just get on so much better. <laughs> well, that's what I think. And that's why I've dedicated myself. You know, I didn't start out... <laughs> <laughs> thinking that I was gonna, this was going to be my life's calling. I started out as a mediator and peacemaker coming out of a 22-year career as a civil trial lawyer, looking for ways to calm people down. Because even though I had brilliant teachers in my master's degree program, nobody really knew anything about how to calm people down. And that's what led me into neuroscience back in the 90s, long before anybody knew what neuroscience really was. And I just stumbled across this idea uh in a very difficult mediation in 2005. And at that point in time, I said, oh, here's a really neat way to calm down angry people. So I started training it to all of my mediator colleagues all over the world. And then I began to realize that as people learn these skills, they become more emotionally intelligent. They become more emotionally competent. I said, there's a much, much bigger picture here. So today I'm devoting my life to spreading the word and helping people learn these skills. And they're not difficult to learn. It takes some practice, and having a coach helps. But if you're if you if you stick with it for six weeks, by the end of six weeks, you you got it, and it'll change your life forever, just as it has for tens of thousands of people behind bars that we we've, we've trained over the last twelve years. It sounds amazing. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Where where can people find out more about you and your books and your work? Well, I created a, a, a web page for everybody who's listening. So go to dougnoel.co. My website is dougnoel.com, but I set up a separate link, dougnoel.co slash fit and fabulous, fit and fabulous, all one word, no hyphens. And <clears throat> when you click on that link, you will be taken to a page where you can get a free ebook that describes in much more detail everything that we've been talking about today. You can get a copy of my fourth book, Deescalate, which was published in 2017. And you can also get, I have a couple of online courses that you can take. One on deescalation, how to calm an angry person. And the other one, the basic and advanced emotional competency course, which is a much higher level course if you're really interested in developing your own self, your own emotional competency, so that you can pass it on to your children, then you would want to take that course. And so that's all. those are all available for anybody who clicks on that link. Perfect. Fabulous. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Before we launch into today's show, I want to make an exciting announcement. I'm super excited to be launching a new service, which is called My Kitchen Miracles. And it will be about recipes. I'm going to be curating recipes. Now, I will tell you more about that later on, because that wasn't the exciting announcement. The exciting announcement is that... During the months of September and October, in order to spread the word about this product that I'm creating and to help you all out, I am doing some free video training. So I have got several of them booked and you can go to drolina.com 
forward slash videos and find a long list and sign up for them. Now, if you're already on my email list, I'll tell you about it. But these are the topics we are going to be covering. What is healthy eating? So healthy eating in a nutshell. Picky Eating 101, this one's for you parents. I know all about picky eating. Written books about it, struggled with two of my kids. I say struggled, they're getting there. How to get kids to try new foods, another big topic for parents. How to teach kids healthy eating habits. How to meal plan without going insane. How to lose weight whilst cooking for your family. This could also be how to eat healthily whilst cooking for your family. And then feeding toddlers. So throughout September and October, you will be able to join me either live or catch the recording. And those videos will be available until October the 30th. So super exciting. Come and sign up. Dr. Orlina, that's D-R, Orlina, O-R-L-E-N-A dot com forward slash videos. See you there.